Welcome to Moonbeaming, a podcast about magic, creativity, the tarot, lunar living, and more. I'm your host, Sarah Faith Godestiner, and I'm so happy you're here. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Moonbeaming. I'm here with such a special episode such a special guest. I'm so excited. We are presenting you with a solstice special. Try saying that a few times fast. With me, I have the wonderful, the talented, the brilliant Gala Mukomolova. Is that, yeah? Uh, And I would love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. Um, All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, This is Gala. I am a poet, and I write um, astrology for Finery29. Uh, I am also a co-host for a different podcast that's very silly and sweet called Big Dyke Energy with my friend Rose Blakelock, who is also an astrologer. (laughs) And um, I'm also a co-founder of a new site called Queer Healers, which is hoping to aggregate all the practitioners that we know and love and wish to know on one site so that they don't have to keep advertising themselves Mm. on the big conglomerates. I love that. That's such an awesome project. I didn't know that you are doing that. Can you share a little bit more about maybe how long, if people can contact you about it, I, that is like the best idea. Sure. Um, so we st- I mean, we started kind of full speed ahead working on it last year, although it was an idea that came up the year before that. But I think that the rush of the pandemic made it very clear to us that people really needed help. And, you know, a lot of storefronts couldn't be operational. And so people had to do it through the internet. They couldn't access their clients and the people they usually work with. Um, and so I work on it with three other people. Marissa, Sky, and Bridget, and we all take up different aspects of the work and also collaborate. We have a current prototype site that's up now called QueerHealers.com, and it's fully functional. So um, basically, you can just peruse it and look for people who you might want to work with. And a lot of people work remotely, especially now. Uh, But we are hoping to relaunch this summer, if all goes to plan, with a much more integrated and developed site where people can leave reviews. And we want to feature everyone from, you know, breath workers, body workers, acupuncturists, tarot readers, all that stuff that like you're just kind of combing through Facebook, queer exchange, trying to figure out (laughs) and or like, you know, people are booking somebody or they people want to work with an astrologer and you know, and they kind of have to go based on like an Instagram reputation rather than what people have actually said about their readings. Yeah, I think it's really important to, I mean, I don't want to get too off tangent because we have so much to talk about, but I just think it's such an important resource. And I think it's really great for folks who are queer to at least be able to access, you know, the so-called safer spaces, because sometimes, you just don't know what you're getting. You don't know what point of view you're walking into in, a, in healing spaces. 
uh, hopefully, you know, need to be trauma informed, need to be informed about queer issues, trans issues, non-binary issues, ableist issues, so on and so forth. So I love, I mean, it's like that, like that is the website of my dreams. So we'll definitely link it in the show notes. Thank you for bringing that up. And I wanted to talk about horoscope writing because you are, I only read your horoscopes. I don't, to be honest, I don't read horoscopes every week. I'm sort of, I kind of just live my life. Um, and sort of see what happens. I usually will use astrology in my life, not for planning, but for hindsight. Like I'll look back and kind of see what was happening. But when I'm in it, I'm not really looking, I don't really work with astrology in that way. Um, not always. Um, so I was just kind of wondering, but your, but your horoscopes are so good. And I think your horoscopes are so good, first of all, obviously, because you're an incredible writer and you're a poet. And so I just was sort of wondering if you could share a little bit about your process or how you think being a poet informs your process, or if you even like writing horoscopes, like I'd love for you to just share about that. Cause I'm always so fascinated. I write tarot scopes and I like love hate writing. Like I love them and no one is asking me to do it. And then also I'm like, oh my gosh, could there just be like two less signs or like, you know, or I'm like, oh my goodness, who, you know, like, I'm like, how can I fit everything that I think about this energy into like, you know, 300 words or whatever. So I would love to, I'd love to hear your take. Oh yeah. It's a good question. Um, I mean, I'll, I want to start by responding and being like, for sh- I also don't read horoscopes, but it's because I can't. I mean, it would just cloud my own ability to write them, right? So I have to kind of start with a blank slate. So, and, I mean, which is not to say that I never do it. Like now that I'm writing weekly for Refinery, it's easier for me to say, look at a monthly one or kind of check in with my friends just to support them or, you know, like retweet them. Like, especially like, for instance, Madam Clairvoyant, who for me was sort of um, like, I, I mean, I know there are people writing before Claire, but I think that if she hadn't been doing the kind of writing she was doing, it would have been much harder for me to get on the map and do the kind of writing that I do because so much of it is like more creative with her. Um, so, you know, there are plenty of people who I'll check in on, but I too cannot really read. Um And I will say also that it is, it's like a beautiful, lucky burden. And, you know, it is my work. It doesn't pay my rent, um, although it pays my bills. And so I I do feel grateful for it. And there are days when the messaging is so strong for me that I feel like this depth of gratitude that I am called to sit with this energy every single week, because otherwise maybe I would just be, you know, kind of like walking around doing bullshit, (laughs) you know? So the fact that I have to sit down and do this work, uh, it is sort of like regimented. And, Mm. but I do feel like the, there are too many signs, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes uh, to kind of combat the the fatigue of, of like trying to be wise, I think, which is its own sort of like, (laughs) and also the fact that, you know, weekly, like advice doesn't really change that much, you know, like I can't, you know, the transits for, you know, like Neptune are real slow. So, you know, good luck Pisces, but (laughs) 
I you're like, how many different ways can I say, wash your hair, <laughs> be kind, do what you need to do, stop disliking yourself, put one foot in front of the other on the path, chop wood, carry water, slough it off, <laughs> old narrative. Like, I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. So what I do is, I mean, there's a couple of various things that I'll do with writing them, especially to kind of get over the the beautiful burden trudge, which is that I will um, rearrange the order of the signs, right? Like I constantly. do that. I do that all the time. Constantly. <laughs> I'm like, I can't start like this anymore. It's, it's messed up. Um, or Also, I have heard from Pisces that yeah. they feel like they are neglected. Mm-hmm. Like, so I often will start with Pisces. I'm like, I'm giving you all my freshness, Pisces. This is all for you, babe. Because I have heard that from them. Like, they are like, I feel like when they've gotten to me, they've run out of juice and like, mine is just an addendum. And like, I'm like, Pisces, I love you so much. I'm going to put you first, babe. You know, and they need that too. So it makes sense. Uh, the other thing I do is that sometimes I'll just mix in like tarot, especially. Mm. So, um, so that I'll pull a card and I'll let it guide me through something. And that just like helps me get into different brain spaces. Mm-hmm. Or I'll look up the degree and I'll look up the Sabian symbol for it just to kind of just put in somebody else's wisdom right like check out check out what Rachel Pollock said about (laughs) about that um and really just fold it in or you know like I think like last week or the week before that I just started doing this thing where I wrote them all by hand and with each one I wrote like you know one of those like formulaic sentences where it was like if if Pluto is in, is in like Scorpio in this place, then like to transform like the blah, blah, blah in the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then like kind of started doing them like mathematically just because you have to keep things shaking. Otherwise it gets really tedious. Yeah. Well, I think that your horoscopes for me, at least always feel fresh, always feel great. You're an amazing writer. And I was wondering if you feel like your background and practice as a poet seeps in there? Um, I think it's like, what is the poetic practice? (laughs) Uh, I think the poetic practice is listening um, and noticing and um, letting one image become a moment, right? And so, you know, some of my favorite poems and I think many of my loved ones favorite poems are poems where you know there's just this like one picture (laughs) and all of a sudden it has the resonance of of a life right and I do think that looking at a wheel can sort of feel like that right and so you have this triangle in front of you and you're just like what is like what is the resonance of that aspect what is it what story is it creating for me so there is like a Mm -hmm an exploration of meanings and codes. And I think that poetry is like that. But um, otherwise, I think it's sort of, um, they just walk, they just walk alongside each other. Because for me, poetry is very um, inward, and, and very long, and can take me years. And then I write these things every week in an incredible output. As you were talking, I was thinking about the similarities Uh, in the beautiful way that you described poetry, the similarities between poetry and astrology in the sense of like both are trying to capture time. They're trying to capture energy. They're trying to capture 
wisdom and they're trying to translate and or communicate at the same time. And they're trying to translate and communicate very, dare I say, abstract and also universal Mm -hmm. sites, right? And so it's interesting because I feel like the best pieces of art are similar to the best experiences of astrology in the sense of you can come back around to reading a poem that maybe you read five years ago and because you've been changed it's it's different it's the same but it's different it speaks it won't speak in the same way and similarly when you're in a transit like mercury retrograde or something like that if you're paying attention you know what the average human life goes through like you know 200 and something Mercury retrogrades, right? They're very common, you know, but if you're paying attention, your experience of it or what's going on in your chart or on in your life will deepen or be different, you know? So that just reminds, like, as you were speaking, I was like, actually, there, I hadn't thought about it, but there are some similarities there. Well, there's also, I mean, it really depends on who it is, right? So I think, I think the, my process it's just mine, you know, and I think there are plenty of people who write um, horoscopes who are really doing it in this super mathematical way. You know, they really are like looking at every single aspect, every single transit day by day. They're checking their ephemeris. They're thinking it through, which is great. I do a lot of that. But what that does is that it often just makes me really like foggy and cluttered because I am a very Sagittarian person and like the knowledge, the thirst for knowledge is is much so my eyes are bigger <laughs> than my brain. And so for me, a lot of the output is about synthesizing all that information and then sort of like parting it and then creating a channel. And so a lot of my work feels for me personally like mediumship, where and I, I I wind up doing a lot of informational prep work and then just doing mediumship through the writing. And I do think that the poems that speak to me have that same feeling, right? They feel like they came through the poet. They don't necessarily belong to that poet anymore. Mm, That's beautiful. I love that so much. So we are chatting on summer solstice. 2021 how like what are what are you like to do around the solstice what's your take on the solstice do you do you love it as a fire sign well so I am a Scorpio but I'm Sagittarius stellium I do love summer I think that I love summer because it allows me to be at the beach more and I belong on the beach you know it's like my home um, I also apologize because my bird is very active right now. So you're just hearing a lot of bird stuff, maybe. Um, oh, yeah, I just heard your bird. Yeah, I think it, <laughs> his name is Valentine. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that um, I love all seasonal celebrations. <laughs> do you like, do you feel different? Like, so I personally feel different more than any like holiday any time of year the equinoxes and the solstices I really can feel the both and and that's why I love them like for me they're the both and they're the letting go and the ushering in you know the fact that the summer solstice 
in the Northern Hemisphere, the sun is brightest, the day is the longest, is there's that sort of sadness because you're like, oh, we've like already reached the peak of the light. How did that happen? And so for me, the summer solstice is kind of this like, okay, babes, you better snap to it. The year is like halfway. We got to embody, we got to live. Um, I just was wondering if you have similar feelings around solstices. You know, I don't know if that I do. I think, I mean, I do, um, I do have like witchly affiliations. I feel like maybe there's something that Mm, that recedes in me in the summertime and grows very large in the colder months. So I'm like a, I get like a lot more antennae as the weather begins to cool. And um, I think it's like, that's kind of like that Scorpio feeling coming on where you're like, this is my season, season of the witch. It's all coming along. And then when, like, once I get past like Taurus season, I tend to be a lot more like super present, but the presence is about like the sensual experience, you know, and a lot less up there and a lot more earth. So I'm just sort of like, (laughs) I'm like a vibe receptor. (laughs) Yeah. Do you do anything to sell? Like, do you do a spell or a ritual for what, like, what are you going to do for the summer solstice? Well, usually around the summer solstice, I like to have a sweet little dinner with my friends, maybe like a rooftop thing that hasn't didn't happen last year. Um, I like to leave offerings at the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite sweet little things that I used to do as a kid was I would like ask the ocean questions and by writing on the sand and then like waiting to see how like it touched the, the different words. So um, I think that my preference, if it's always possible, is to go to the water, right? And to be near the water and to really do the kind of whole Cancerian thing, right? To get uh, to get as close as the crabs are. Uh, but uh, I feel like I, I might be doing like technical stuff on the summer solstice. Like I might be doing work-related things. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, because because of the um, the website that I've been working on with my friends and to prepare for the relaunch, we have to um, let all of our practitioners see what what's up and and sort of what the new site looks like and walk them through it and maybe have some kind of like reopening to them. And the last time we connected with all of them, it was in the winter solstice. So I think that we all decided it might be a great sort of, you know, swing back yeah but that's feels very summer solstice too because it's such this time to gather and to connect and to think about what has passed you know and how like for me the solstices are also times to think about what has passed what has happened it's a regrouping it's a sharing it's like okay this is the story of what happened in my life. And this is the story now that I want to tell about what I want to have happen, you know, for until the next solstice or until the equinox or, you know, whatever, an indeterminate amount of time. So for me, it's a very both and feeling and it is definitely a communal time. And it's for me, it's also definitely a time to make magic, like absolutely, you know, so I know I'll be doing that. Um, And the solstice kicks off the summer. And I was hoping you could share a little bit about 
some transits that are happening. Listeners maybe want to know what they can look forward to or be mindful of, or maybe just some things that you're excited about that is on the horizon. Because we were speaking about this before I hit record, I believe, and I want to hear your hot take, your mediumship, astrological hot take. I am not an astrologer. Um, I just unfortunately, I'm incredibly sensitive to energy. So uh, here we are. But my take is that this eclipse season, the eclipse season of June of late May and June 2021 is really big. And that the that July, like, like late June and July will almost feel like aftercare and or reemergence. And I was hoping maybe there's an astrological correspondence to that feeling, or maybe I'm just spitballing here, but I wanted to kind of hear your take on the eclipses, on like what you're noting, what you maybe think might come after. I am all ears. Right. Well, I don't know about it. <laughs> I I mean, I want to, I feel like we'll say this, summer solstice, which I guess this is when people will be listening on summer solstice. I think summer solstice sounds beyond what we already think just saying it sounds good you know but there is a trine between um you know uh what is it like venus and cancer and neptune and pisces and it's like a you know i think that you know just having a watery trine there's i think the moment actually that the sun um ingresses into cancer that basically unless I, you know, hopefully I cast this well, but, you know, the the moon should be in Scorpio as well. So it, it could actually be a very lovely whole trine between the watery signs. And I think there is something emotional, like there is an emotional relief, right? Like that pour. Um, it's sort of, it's sort of the same feeling as uh, we were talking about earlier, you and I, when, when you witness those summer rainstorms, right? And it's so romantic. And it feels like, you know, I just look outside and I'm like, maybe the rain is my girlfriend. I don't know. <laughs> like, you get this feeling like it's this erotic um, memory. That's what rain, that's like what summer rain feels to me is like an erotic memory that just returns. And you're like, oh, right. <laughs> um, so I do think that the summer solstice around that time offers us a little bit of that. But I don't know. I feel like um, <laughs> so the full moon in Capricorn is only a couple of days after that, right? Mm -hmm. What I was thinking about the full moon in Capricorn, and this is you know this is a little break from the eclipses, is that visually it looks like this little like basket that's sort of tilted, <laughs> and it's um it's on the you know the fourth and the first quadrant, like leading into the third, and. Mars in Cancer is actually sort of leading this little basket along. The new moon eclipse that was on June 10th also had this kind of little basket. Mm. <laughs> it was also led by Mars in Cancer. Um, and here's the thing. When I was looking at these moons, I was thinking about the Capricorn new moon, you know, earlier in the year. Oh, you were, oh, like the one in mm -hmm. January? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about the fact that there was just like the insurrection on the yeah. White House and how it coincided with Mars's kind of like final degrees in Aries and that cardinal space, you know, and sort of that that intense kind of like defense, defense, act, defense, mm. um, whatever we might think about it, sort of reference to 
masculinity or also at the same time we might think about it as like you know I mean all of last summer was about Aries in some ways like everyone was talking about it in all these different ways the Chiron thing the you know the young people rising up and all the different organizers and so having these moons um, in conversation with each other with um, the last degree of Cancer and Mars mm. feels to me like a moment where we're really reckoning with our emotional relationship to our actions. Mm. I think that when you see the full moon on July 5th in Capricorn and that it's like the Mars is no longer leading the basket. <laughs> There's this moment for me where Mars is doing something else, right? For the chart for the full moon eclipse on July 5th, 2020, last year. Mm, okay, right. I was, okay, yes. Like Mars was in Aries and it mm -hmm. was creating a square to the sun in Cancer. And now, you know, whole year later, June 24th, full moon in Capricorn, mm. we have Mars in Leo. And I'm just thinking about another fire sign yeah but different right um somebody yeah. who can somebody who can stay the course and be accountable um you know and i'm not saying anything about aries as a person but aries as a general sort of quality is very much about you know starting shit and not finishing it right uh kind of like like lighting that fire and running leo stays the course right leo wants to see what what kind of fire it's going to be so I'm thinking about the summer as a continuation of all that we're learning. And I'm thinking of it as, I don't know, a kind of reckoning. And I don't know if it's going to be a relief. Um, but what I do think, actually, is that it's going to be, um, in some ways, pretty restorative. Mm. So because I, I think that when we think about care or self-care, when we talk about it, it feels like, you know, there's a lot of sort of like, take time to yourself, hold back boundaries. And I love all that. But I do think that so many people I know and love um, and respect are in this place where, um, like, it's not enough. <laughs> uh, and, and there's this feeling of having witnessed so much, having lived through so much, and then having to just return to what seems like before, right? And we're all returning yes. to this before. But it's not, it, there's no way, like the level of delusion and disassociation you would have to be under. And I'm not saying people aren't there mm -hmm. because there sure are people who are running back to, in quotes, normal. When I think of like people saying normal now, like with that, like I like think of the SpongeBob SquarePants, like all caps, lower caps, like normal. Um, <laughs> I hear that. And I also hear you saying this really important piece that I've definitely been reckoning with the last few years, if not longer, which is self-care is imperative. All of the ways that we see it on social media, all of the ways people talk about it, sure. And also self-care in a system that can't ultimately support all of our healing or all of our basic needs is going to be futile or it's going to only be accessible to very few, right? And I think that I hear you saying that those folks, and I know there are many listening, uh, of you who are really thinking about different ways of being, different ways of growing, 
uh, different ways of rebuilding, reemerging to stay that course of, wait, I had that idea of what I would have liked. I have this vision. How then like, do I ground it? Mm -hmm. And how do I practice it in a way that is going to be sustainable? How do I find other people who are also thinking about these things and working towards these things? And how do I give myself the grace and the compassion to make mistakes, to have experiment, to, you know, not be perfect and to just sort of play with Leo? Like, how can, how can I make this practice a a playful one, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's like, I don't know, I want to say two things, because I feel like I, I got like really, really wide. And I was thinking about patterns. And I think those are important. And there's so many patterns, right? And I think one of the troubles too, with the dissatisfaction of of what we think about with care is that it actually like doesn't feel good after a certain point to feel rested when the world is restless, right? Mm-hmm. There's this, there is a tension that starts to occur when you're like, all oh, right, like, sure, I've taken care of myself, but I don't know how to like apply now this, like this self who feels fed, who feels well rested and apply this self to a world that feels like a a little bit of a garbage fire sometimes, you know, or a a lot of it. it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so one thing to uh, one thing I thought was kind of visually interesting for me, and this is definitely more of like a a less mathematical journey. But after the solstice, right, if you look at the full moon on June 24th, to me, when I looked at it, and it's just a visual trigger, right? It's it kind of reminded me of the um, the Ten of Wands. Hmm. Can you see that? Like sort of all of those little crosses. And I started thinking about the emotional experience of it, right? I mean, Capricorn always has that kind of little bit of a laboring feeling, right? Um, hmm. And I started thinking about, you know, okay, if I were to think through this chart and, and if that image came to mind, where can I go with that? And so, you know, there is something about the Ten of Wands, right? It's Hey, you're speaking my language, babe. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's spend some time here. <laughs> I mean, all right. Like, you know, we've got, I have Rachel Pollock with me, who I love, um, because she always has this beautiful language. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, what I thought when I like kind of underlined and I wanted to bring up, right, when she describes mm-hmm. this card, as she says, like, he wants to be free to travel to seek adventure and new involvements. But he said he finds himself like the suburban mm-hmm. career man caught in a net of endless responsibilities, financial family work that he himself has created. He did not plan this, it has grown up around him. And I really thought about that sentence, you know, it has grown up around him. And sort of as summer, you know, reaches its peak, right? Just like as as a couple of days pass, really taking a look around and thinking about also the world we have had to, I guess as like maybe U.S. citizens, and I don't want to speak for the world at large, have to build up around us in response to this major international crisis. Yeah. And how, you know, for some of us, it's been just like an ex- an exceptional work grind, like a complete dissolution between home and work, right? Or yeah. it's just one thing. And for other people, there's had to be this sort of, uh, and that's kind of its own Jupiter thing, like, you know, this expansiveness, like, I just got it all, I can do it all. But then there's this other aspect, which is like the people who have had to kind of 
keep putting themselves at risk and hope yes. for the best, right? Yes. And, you know, for many of my friends who work in cable companies or in service, mm-hmm. you know, who've had to see many of their coworkers drop around them, it's been a sort of like elected uh, self sort of like veil where you have to sort of believe that you have no choice because for all intents and purposes, you kind of don't. I mean, I feel like, you know, going back to the normal thing and I wanted to share a little bit about the 10 of wands cause it's a card that I've thought I've spent a lot of time with and I've thought a lot about, um, cause it's one of those cards that's tricky in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they kind of all are the more time, the, the issue is the more time you spend with something, the trickier it can become, right? And I'm sure you feel totally. this way with some of the archetypes. But this new normal thing where, one, we don't have a universal experience of what happened, you know, mm-hmm. especially in households even. Like my personal experience is worlds away from my partner who's a, who, was an, who is an ICU nurse at a respiratory hospital, uh, who very much of what you're describing, you know, in terms of coworkers and just the amount of death um, he personally has had to deal with because of his patients and, um, you know, loved ones. Uh, So there's that. So it's like not a monolithic experience. And I just feel like because the American culture is so adverse to watery processing and like talking about emotions and grief, we're not going to get the level of processing from a culture So we're going to have to create it in our own way and figure out kind of what that looks like, which is going to be like a longer process. And with the Ten of Wands and the Solstice, I love it because the Ten of Wands is like interesting card where at first you see someone who is weighted down by possession, right? Uh, They can't really move. They can't see the forest for the trees. So the saying goes, they are so committed to, to taking the pieces of wood, the wands they've cut down or come across to drag back. And I always think of it as like dragging back to the village. Like Mm -hmm. they found these or they worked so hard to bring back this energy source, which we know wood is, uh, to the greater group. And so when I started thinking about that more, it really was easier for me to get past the superficial interpretations of that card of like delegate, like you, you bit off more than you could chew because we know that fire consumes itself. We know that fire is so much about alchemy and fire is so much about resurrection and about keeping our energy running. And for me, the 10 of wands is a very communal card. Like, what are you bringing back? Like, what lessons did you learn? That doesn't mean you have to repeat them. Like next time that person knows they are not going to do it by themselves, they're going to ask their friends. And that very much also seems to illustrate what you've been talking about too, you know, and what hopefully this summer can be the more we can um, reach out to each other and not be as isolated and and really be um, open and vulnerable with what we've learned, you know, Mm -hmm. and hold space for other people's learnings. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's sort of like the most gentle and kind of generous, expansive way to layer that card around, you know, because I I think like even individually, even just like on a one-on-one basis, having it be a kind of a uh, full, like it have meditating with that card in a full moon is all about thinking like, okay, you know, you've, you've survived, <laughs> you know, like you've made it this fucking far. <laughs> is this what you want to keep doing like this? You know, is yeah. it like this? Is this working? Um, and I think that uh, that's a very Capricorn question too. Like, do you want to keep doing it like this? 
is this working? And it's this, um, it's this tens are always endings, their culminations, their completions. So I think that this time, I think this solstice is really going to be asking us, what do I need to take care of? What do I need to like complete? What are the loose ends that I need to tie up, burn, you know, slam the door on, gently close the door, say no, thank you, whatever it is, so that I can move on in a way that is uh, truly restorative uh, to my greatest vision, you know? Right. And I also think that there's something kind of, um, I don't know, because I'm somebody who I'm very tentative about the sort of like the Jupiter Pisces thing, and it's going to move back into Aquarius, you know, um, this summer. I do feel like people get very, like they get very excited about it. I'm always like, mm, it's going to be kind of like a recipe for people also like slipping back into like addictive habits. And mm. it, it can be really, it can be a tough transit at times. But I do think having that try, that emotional flush, you know, um, before a kind of reckoning moon can be a great time to be present on an emotional level. So not on like a sensory like, you know, what's happening? Um, what do I feel in the air? But really about sitting with the emotions that move through you and thinking about your emotional relationship to the present moment, you know, to what you survived, to what you look forward to for yourself mm -hmm. and what you want your future to look like. Because mm -hmm. if we do think about the 10th as a completion card, what we're looking after that is going to be the page, right? So there is this element of possibility and you have to really believe that it's there for you in order to go toward it. You sure do. I love that. Yeah. So the last transit you brought up is Jupiter is in Pisces. Everyone I hear out in these astrology internet streets are just loving it. I have also heard talks about cults. I have heard talks about addictions. I have heard talks of being so idealistic uh, that you bite off more than you can chew or you make that you make promises to yourself that maybe you can't keep or promises to other people um, that there's sort of a hazy, dreamy kind of quality to it. But as you said, I think it's like late July, it goes mm. back into Aquarius. Yeah. And then it will be there for until the end of the year. Yeah. Um Basically, well, it starts its retrograde motion actually um, right before the solstice. And then by uh, the 28th, it's already going to Aquarius. Um, and, I, you know, who knows, right? I think that I tend to be someone who I'm interested in the aspects. I'm, I tend to be a little bit more reserved when it comes to a larger collective planet and, and what it means for, you know, one group of people. Like I kind of go the Demetra George route of like Jupiter's Jupiter, you know, and when I think about Jupiter, it's not necessarily like as benefic <laughs> as everyone might describe that God to be, right? So there's definitely always a sense of entitlement and risk. Um, and when the aspects are flowing and beautiful, maybe, uh, you know, um, in, under the right stars, it can create a little channel for someone who needs it to have a greater understanding, right, of where they're at and what they have to offer others and how, how much more loving or present or caregiving they can be. I think that there is also a really scary and um, 
troublesome element to a lot of, you know, what we might call the healing community. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of ideas out there that are very dangerous and they're also really entitled, right? Um, and they kind of, uh, they situate themselves in this understanding that it's okay for me to make an individual choice, even if it makes lots of people around me unsafe. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. As you were speaking, I, I, uh, yes, it's so funny. I, I could talk about the, I could talk about that all day long and I'm not going to, but when you were speaking to though about like Jupiter and Pisces, I also thought about that sentence, that concept, hope is a discipline, you know, and when I'm thinking about discipline, I'm thinking about something that we are devoted to, but not necessarily, if we think of if we think of it as a discipline and hope is like a really excitable dog, we don't let the dog lead us so much as like we're walking with the dog, you know, we're stopping the dog stops. Like we take a minute, we breathe, you know, all of these things. So I also think it's interesting to cultivate hope, cultivate that belief in that vision and also try to ground it or check in with it accordingly throughout the summer, you know? I think that's a really great metaphor uh, to use, especially as we kind of shift from, you know, the, the Gemini Sagittarius axis over into Capricorn for a minute, because, you know, Gemini Sagittarius is so interested in information and training and um, Capricorn really loves a discipline, right? It really loves a little structure and it's true that our our warm-blooded friends, right, feel loved and attended to when we actually set boundaries before them and we let them know how to exist within a space. That's right. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. I love talking to you. You're so brilliant. I'm so uh, grateful for your time. And I was hoping just to wrap up if you wanted to share where people can find you, find your work, be in touch. Sure. Um, you know, where can you find me? <laughs> uh, you know, I have a website. Uh, it's galacticrabbit.com. And you can easily just go over there. And I usually update it with any new writing that's published. And I also, um, you know, it updates automatically with the new podcast episodes. And it has an archive of the old astrology letters that I used to write that are more like a beautiful experiment, a wayward experiment. Um, and then I just, um, I have weekly articles for Refinery29. I do the weekly horoscopes and I do full moon. I don't do the other stuff. So if you see like a new moon article, it's probably not me. Just full moon. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. Um, I hope that you have the very best trine solstice summer. And thank you so much. My God, you too. Moonbeaming is brought to you by The Moon Studio. It is created and hosted by me, Sarah Faith Godestiner. It is edited by the incredible... Caitlin George Parker. Additional support is by Stella Hartman. Music is by Will Owen and myself. 
If you like this podcast, you can support us by going to Patreon backslash The Moon Studio and becoming a patron. You can give this podcast five stars wherever you listen and also subscribe. We'd love it if you could let one or two or three or four or more friends know about us and we accept all good vibes. Thanks so much for supporting us. Witches on planet Earth, not flying up to Mars. There is no planet B. There's a witch wherever you are.